Any one of those three categories could have taken the business down if I didn't have a big enough understanding of it. What's up everybody, I'm Jay, and today we are going to talk about building on what you know, right here on the Main Street Entrepreneur Podcast. Getting out there without knowing would be pretty difficult. But they didn't exist back then. You need to have as much information as you possibly can. I put the word out there and people called me. To say do what you know, that's the advice I give somebody now. That's the key. It's funny because when I launched the business, I said I will never make a black product. Well, first lesson I learned. Doing what you're, you love to do and what you know how to do are just as important. It's there that I really became acutely aware of the statistics. There was a very significant opportunity in doing a direct consumer brand. Other companies were catching on to the fact that we had a great idea. But you better darn well find people that do. I should have known that. Looking back, it's like, duh, shouldn't I have figured that out? I would have loved to have come up with Twitter. Who wouldn't? Yeah, but I, I don't know anything about that. And so I'm doing what I know how to do, and that's make clothes for people that enjoy the outdoors. Let me paint a little picture for you that I bet most of you out there have experienced. Say you and a friend are having a little chat, and somewhere along the conversation, this line pops up. That would be a great idea for a business. I know I hear this time and time again, and you know what? A lot of the time, it is a great idea for a business. The problem is that a great idea is not equal to a real thriving business that makes money. There are many pieces to the puzzle that come together to create what we call a true business opportunity. Now, I'm not going to get too into all of this right now because we are going to dissect a true business opportunity in the next episode. But the idea for a business is just a seed. It's the very beginning. It's the concept a business is built around, but to make that seed grow, there is a whole lot more that goes into it. So you may have that great idea you and your friends think should exist, but to bring that idea to fruition involves a deep understanding of these products or services, a particular industry, your competitors, suppliers, channels of distribution, knowing exactly who your customers will be, developing your team, financing, forecasting, all the headaches that come along with it, and when you throw all of these things into the mix, your great idea seems a little more complicated now, doesn't it? Another thing I hear quite often is when a new product or service pops up and someone says, oh man, I thought of that years ago. But there are so many other factors people don't think about or don't know about that they never act on it. And eventually someone else who is much better suited to take on the challenge does act on it. So today we're gonna to talk about one of these very important pieces to the puzzle that drastically increases your chances of creating a successful company, and that is experience. Or, like I mentioned earlier, to build on what you know, which also happens to be chapter three of the book, Main Street Entrepreneur, by my father and co-founder of our company, Mike Glauser. And one of my favorite examples of putting this concept of experience into perspective is from an interview we did with Dave Herman, of the John M. Huntsman School of Business. Several years ago, he and his wife had some young kids and while they were going through the potty training phase, they had a great idea. But Dave also knew what he didn't know and that's why they never acted on it. Many years ago, my uh, wife, when uh, we had our second child, and my wife's background is an early childhood ed and she has her master's degree in that. And one of the things that she realized was that, you know, we have a second child now, we're gonna have to be changing two sets of diapers. So she was very adamant about potty training the first child. 
And she got looking at it, she came up with this idea. She said, you know, it's really hard to potty train a child if the child has to go to an adult and say, can you pull my pants down? You know, that's tra traumatizing. And she says, what they really need is a diaper that has an elastic waistband in it that a little kid could pull up and down on their own. Now, you laugh at that because today we call that Pampers pull-ups or one of any other two or three other brands, right? But they didn't exist back then. And that was my wife's idea. Is it a great idea? You bet it's a great idea. But for me, living at the time uh, in uh, Southern California, just fresh out of college, I don't know how to construct a diaper. I would have to spend tens of thousands of dollars hiring people to help me do that. Uh, whether it be a design engineer and then maybe a process engineer to build the thing. I don't know what the content and the material is. And then even if I were able to do that and spending all that money, which increases risk, right? Anytime we spend money, we're increasing risk. How do I get it to market? As a standalone vendor, how eager is Walmart going to be to take my product on? And how do I even get in Walmart's door? You know, so those are all part of the equation that have to be there for an opportunity to exist, right? What goes along with those is a thorough understanding of the market uh, and of the opportunity, which usually, usually encompasses some sort of experience in that industry, right? That doesn't mean if you are uh, passionate about a particular idea, you can't go out and hire that experience. You certainly can do that. But you've got to have that experience and that background and that industry so that you can pick up all those variables and, and, and know what your opportunities really are going to be. So this concept of doing what you know simply comes from having some sort of experience in the particular industry of your business. Dave knew that because he did not have that experience, to start from scratch and create what is now the widely popular pull-up diapers, it really would have been an uphill battle. Now to say that you have to do what you know doesn't exactly mean you have to have a decade of experience working in the exact same industry of your business or business idea. As much as it does help, you can still create a successful company. Let me read an excerpt from chapter three of the book where, right after sharing a little mishap we had with our motorhome, it discusses three categories of experience had by the 100 entrepreneurs we interviewed on our bike tour across America. And it goes like this. Most of the entrepreneurs we interviewed across America had far more experience with their industries than we had with our motorhome. About one third of them had worked in the same industry they started their business in. Another third had worked in a related industry. Most of the remaining third were regular users of the products or services and understood the pain points and opportunities from personal experience. In other words, they knew the market from the customer's point of view. They knew the product's features, the competitors, and the missing pieces. Only a small percentage of the successful entrepreneurs I have interviewed over the past 20 years have started businesses in markets they knew nothing about. And these people generally become serious students of the industry. So if you're sitting there thinking, great, I have no idea what I'm doing, I don't have industry experience, that does not mean that you should lose hope. I'm not here to shatter dreams, in fact, very much the opposite. That said, if you don't have this certain industry experience, you will have to become a student of that industry. You need to be diving in, learning everything you can about it, which is where the help of mentors and team members is even more important. You can be very passionate about an idea or product, and maybe not have a whole lot of experience in that industry, but you better darn well find people that do. So back to these three categories of experience. The first is same industry experience. For example, say someone who works in waste management starts a new waste management company, right? 
The second is related industry experience. Let's say an airline pilot after a full career with United Airlines starts not a new airline, but an aerial sightseeing business. And the third category is personal experience with the products or services. Say a professional athlete starts a fitness apparel company. And these are all real examples of people we have interviewed, which I'm about to share with you. But essentially, and the point of this entire episode is that it all comes down to probability. The more experience you have in your particular industry, the more you know about the products, the services, your competitors, suppliers, channels of distribution, customers, opportunities, etc. So enough with the setup. Let's get into some of these examples and we'll start with the first category, same industry experience. A good portion of successful businesses out there emerge from the ideas of someone who has worked in the trenches in that exact industry for many years. Going back to the clip you heard at the top of the episode, any one of those three categories could have taken the business down if I didn't have a big enough understanding of it. That's Dave Twombly of Central Coast Disposal. Dave was in the waste management industry working for another company for many years. And when you work for a company for that long, you start to understand more than just your day-to-day -day duties. You understand the ins and outs of how the company works. You start to understand all the pieces of the puzzle rather than just your specific role as an employee. To say do what you know, that's the advice I give somebody now. Because if I hadn't known as much as I'd known about the garbage industry because I'd worked for it for nine years, there's so many things that I would have come up against that I, I came up against things that were a surprise as it was. And if, it, if I wasn't already in an industry that I knew how to do, I wouldn't have made it. So whenever anybody asks me, I want to start a business, the first thing out of my mouth is make sure you do what you know. Don't do something that you want to do or you have a dream of doing. Make sure you have a full concept of it. If I hadn't had the information, like I said, to appease the city, to appease the Department of Environmental Quality, to, to make sure I was prepared trucking-wise for the Department of Transportation, any one of those three categories could have taken the business down if I didn't have a big enough understanding of it. We can say now at this point in time, we know how to start a business, we know how to run a business. Uh, it's not that I would go into restaurant or go into construction, but I understand the, you know, the bookkeeping part of it. I understand what's required as far as turning in your taxes and contacting the state, forgetting your assumed business name and all those kind of things, federal ID numbers, all that. So you, when you go into business, you need to have as much information as you possibly can. And by doing what you know, you don't have to learn that later. So that's why I would say you do what you know. So while Dave worked for his previous employer, he gained enough experience in that particular industry to know that when he eventually went out on his own, he would have to appease the city and the Department of Environmental Quality and the Department of Transportation. And if you weren't in the waste management industry for years and you thought of starting a new garbage company, these are probably things you're not thinking of. But because of Dave's previous experience, none of these things came as a shock to him and he knew what he was getting himself into. There are enough roadblocks and setbacks in business as it is, so the more you can see them coming, the better. And I've got many more examples just like Dave's. Take Will Lebeda of Energy Conservation Insulation, for instance. I worked for another insulation company, and but they were a grassroots company too. When I started working for them, they'd only been open for a couple years and didn't really have a, a business model or business plan. And so after I started working there, actually 30 days after I started working there, um, I started running that company and started it over from ground zero and then built that company up. 
after a month, there, there were only four employees there, and then after four years, we had 30. Um, but I, I, I had an owner who basically wrote checks and was completely not part of the company, and, and so I implemented everything to, to get people trained and doing the right things. And that company, when, when the market changed, um, the owners started to cut corners, and my employees started to cut corners, and we're doing things that my clients and friends wouldn't be associated with. So I, I decided to study, get my own business license, and pursue this so I don't have to work for somebody else who's twisting my arm to do the job incorrectly. Will was kind of thrown into a management position and was trying to help grow someone else's company. And while he did this for several years, gaining the industry experience, he was also able to realize that certain things weren't being done correctly. He now knew how things should be done to improve the quality of the products and services they offered, and he saw that need for better quality in the market. This never would have happened if he didn't have industry experience with another company. Well, it's really important to have the background and the experience, the knowledge, you know, years of training and, and seeing things done incorrectly to, to be able to go into a home that's 20 years old and say, well, this is what failed then, so why would we do it again? So again, through this experience, Will knew how important it was to have an understanding of his industry before going out on his own. Another example is from Mary DeLima of DeLima Stables. Uh, I went to college for equestrian studies. Uh, I graduated with a uh, major in equestrian studies and I've competed uh, at the upper levels in jumping for quite some time. I was fortunate enough to ride with Dave Pellegrini, Dave Wright, and Fred Pincus, some top jumper riders in the country. I've worked at other facilities in the past and after 25 years I just thought I need my own place. So I set up Delima Stables and I was actually very blessed and fortunate. I put the word out there and said I need some good lesson horses. And people called me and they said, I've got an old horse, my kids and my grandkids have outgrown it and it knows its job, do you want it? So I said yes and within a couple of weeks I had three lesson horses that I could teach on. And they are just wonderful, good souls. Mary was fully involved from a young age. She grew up with horses, she then went into equestrian studies, she competed and rode with top jumpers in the industry, and she worked for other people for 25 years. So by the time she wanted to start her own stable, she had those very important contacts in place to just put out the word that she was looking for horses, and within weeks, she was up and running. The last example of same industry experience is from Steve Sullivan of an outdoor apparel company called Steo. Steve had been involved in outdoor apparel for many years and even had a previous company that sold their products through the traditional wholesaler route. But being familiar with the industry as he was, he saw a great opportunity to switch up the channels of distribution. There was a very significant opportunity in doing a direct-to-consumer brand in this space. You know, we're one of a very few brands in the outdoor space that's purely direct-to-consumer, if not one of the only ones. And I, you know, I spent so much time selling to the wholesale channel and, and being in that channel and have made a ton of friends there and, and love the channel, um, love to travel, love to meet new people. But with this, it, I just saw it as a real opportunity to be able to control one brand experience and tell one story and uh, that's the key. And um, 
But I think you're absolutely right. I mean, doing what you're, you love to do and what you know how to do are, are just as important you know, as anything. I would have loved to have come up with Twitter. You know, God, you know, who wouldn't? You know, but I, I didn't, I don't know anything about that. And so I'm doing what I know how to do and that's make clothes for people that enjoy the outdoors. So Dave, Will, Mary, and Steve all had that same industry experience before starting their current companies. And while having this level of experience is definitely helpful, it's not necessarily mandatory. Our next category is having experience in a related industry to that of your business. And my first example is a man named Sam Spade. I'm Sam Spade. I'm owner-operator of Aero Legends Biplane Rides here in Florence, Oregon. Sam Spade was a pilot for United Airlines for 25 years. And during a lot of that time, he also flew for the military for a total of 30 years. When he retired and was wondering what to do next, he wasn't about to go out and start a new airline, but he wanted to find something to do he was still familiar with. And uh, I retired from United Airlines in 2003, and I've had to steerman uh, 10 years prior to that. I thought, what can I do to continue flying and enjoy the, the sport of it and share it with people? So I decided to start this little sightseeing company. And we're very fortunate that here in Florence, we've got the, the Hasita Head Lighthouse 10 miles north. It's the most photographed lighthouse on the Oregon coast. And therefore, it's a beautiful place to fly by and to take people for the tours. And I've probably done that trip that I just did uh, 300 times. And every time I do it, I get a thrill and do it because I see something different that I didn't see the last time. And it's just a, a fun to do that. And as I was saying earlier, people go up with me and they they are a little apprehensive. They come down, they got this huge big grin on their face and they're really excited about the fact that they got to experience that because it is so beautiful. This is a beautiful part of the country. So Sam started Arrow Legends, a sightseeing company where he takes people up and down the coast of Oregon in a World War II biplane. I was lucky enough to go fly with Sam and it's pretty amazing. Now the sightseeing and tourism industry isn't exactly the same as an airline industry. But Sam had enough experience and knowledge of flying that he knew he could work out the rest. Alan Lim of Scratch Labs is another example of related industry experience. Scratch Labs is a company that creates natural hydration and nutrition products, but Alan didn't come from that particular industry. He was actually a sports scientist for the World Cycling Tour. You know, I grew up cycling, I grew up, you know, loving the bicycle, and a long time ago I decided to make, you know, the bicycle my job in some way. I was working on the pro cycling tour as a sports scientist. I was actually the director of sports science for a professional cycling team. I worked on what's called the World Cycling Tour, and it's basically you know, a series of races that travel the whole entire uh, year that include races like the Tour of Italy, the Tour de France, uh, the Volta Espana, races like the Tour of California. And in the world of professional sports, what I found um, was often the biggest rate limiting factor was that these young, very, very talented athletes didn't have the life skills to simply take care of themselves, right? They didn't have, you know, what I call the, the, the home ex skills to literally, you know, scramble some eggs, make some rice, chop up some vegetables and make themselves a nice little meal, right? And when those basic life skills suffer, it really doesn't matter, you know, what the sports science tells you, you've got to teach that kid how to fry an egg. And uh, I spent so much of my time solving those type of problems, problems related to um, athletic performance on a very, very basic level. 
right? How do I get these guys to train harder? How do I get these guys to sleep more? How do I feed them better? How do I, I keep them cooler when it's hot? And how do I keep them warmer when it's cold, right? Um, within that skill set, emerge Scratch. So Alan didn't work for another sports drink company, then break out on his own, but he was surrounded by athletes in the cycling world where he noticed a specific need for much better natural nutrition and hydration products. Our third and final category comes from having a knowledge of personal experience. Just like you heard Dave Herman talk about when he and his wife had the idea for pull-ups before they existed, well, even though they chose not to pursue it and figure out the rest of the business, there are many entrepreneurs out there who did, and Sheila Kemper-Dietrich of Livliga is one of them. Livliga, simply put, is tableware, but it's designed specifically to help with portion control. You heard parts of this story in a previous episode, but I'm going to share parts of it here because it's very fitting for this topic. Prior to creating Livliga, Sheila had no experience in manufacturing and didn't know much at all about marketing weight management products. As you may recall, she was the executive director for the American Heart Association in Denver, but the fact is, she dealt with weight issues herself for most of her life. But then her job led her down a path where she really started digging into the statistics. I have dealt with weight issues all of my life, and uh, it's been a struggle of mine, but I always thought of it as a personal struggle. Something I had to deal with, you know, was my journey, something for me to figure out. I used to be the executive director of the American Heart Association in Denver. It's there that I really became acutely aware of the statistics and that they, the trend was against us rather than for us. By 2050, one in three people are going to have diabetes in the USA. We're killing our nation with food and we don't even realize we're doing it. Sheila hit her breaking point and decided that it was time to take action. After doing more research, she realized that it's our eyes that play a huge role in the amount of food that we eat, so it's our eyes that she wanted to address. She set out to create a line of tableware that helped us with portion control. You know, we've got to figure this out. Something's missing. If, if all these organizations are spending all this money, we clearly haven't figured it out yet because we're not going the right direction. Hence, Ludliga was born. And I did it in my kitchen. You know, classic entrepreneur, right? I used my own measuring cups and I made these little, I hand drew these templates and then I went to the local ceramic shop um, and hand painted <laughs> the original sets of Livliga, wasn't known as that yet, um, and brought them home because I wanted to try it on me. I wanted to see if this would actually work. And I made four sets so that my husband and my daughter at that point who was living with us could try it out lost over 50 pounds, and it worked. My husband has um, lost over 35 pounds, my daughter 25, and naturally. I mean, it's because we were right-sizing our food portions. You know, we're kind of helping shift the paradigm. Sheila saw the need within her own life, and combined with the research from her previous job, it gave her the determination to shift the paradigm, as she says. She dove in headfirst, then put the rest of the pieces of the puzzle together in order to create what is now Livliga. For another example of personal experience, let's shift over to Nicole DeBoom, the founder of Skirt Sports. Nicole, like Sheila, had no experience manufacturing or marketing products. But as a professional triathlete who happened to be married to another professional triathlete, she practically lived in fitness clothing, and they were both surrounded by it all the time. Um, my husband, who's also a professional triathlete, 
He had come home from some training in California and he made this observation that women, no matter what their bodies are, great, perfect, you know, fit bodies or you know, overweight or just, you know, normal looking women, all had this tendency to want to cover their butt. I mean, they're always wearing long t-shirts that cover their butt, they're tying sweatshirts around their waist, whatever it was, it's sort of like paranoia, like, I don't really want you to see everything going on. And, um, and he came home and he said, you know, Nicole, I've been thinking about it and, and every great company has started with one thing and I think you should focus on one thing. And I thought about, I thought about that concept and I thought about his observation of, of women and sort of our our self-confidence when we're out there working out and I thought I want to focus around this one concept it's a skirt and the skirt epitomized femininity to me it's I mean if you're out there running in a skirt chances are you're a woman right so um, I took that idea and I decided I would stay really focused and I built this brand skirt sports around a product that had never been done before so Nicole set out to create skirt sports but you might be thinking to yourself, okay, great, they have personal experience, but if that's all they have, how did they actually create these companies? Well, Nicole understood what she knew, but she also understood what she didn't know, like so many other successful entrepreneurs. That's basically our, our intro to launch story. There's a little bit more to it. Uh, after, after I got the idea off the ground, I started making prototypes and um, I hired people to do that because I don't sew. I don't have a technical background in design or fashion. I also don't have a, any kind of education in business startup or business. I mean, I was a, a true entrepreneur who had an idea and said, I'm a smart person and I know how to work hard and I know how to suffer and I think I can do anything. As long, I think I can figure out anything. One of the things Nicole did know is that she knew how to suffer and she had the passion and tenacity to not give up regardless of the bumps in the road. As I mentioned earlier, it really comes down to probability. The more you know about your particular industry and the more experience you have, the more likely you are to create a successful company. The less you know, the harder you will have to work to gain that experience and the more you will have to learn because once you have a great idea, that's only the beginning. Experience is one of the many things that can truly help entrepreneurs succeed. What turns that idea into an actual business is having that understanding of what we call the NERCM model, an acronym of N-E-R-C-M, NERCM, which stands for having a genuine need, experience, resources, customers, and having a sound business model. So as you can see, it expands even further than experience. But that, my friends, is exactly what we're going to talk about on the next episode titled Launching a True Business Opportunity. So if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe. And if you want to check out the book or watch videos of all these incredible entrepreneurs we've interviewed, head on over to TheMainStreetEntrepreneur.com and we'll catch you next time on The Main Street Entrepreneur Podcast. Getting out there without knowing would be pretty difficult they didn't exist back then. You need to have as much information as you possibly can. I put the word out there and people called me. To say do what you know, that's the advice I give somebody now. That's the key. It's funny because when I launched the business, I said I will never make black product. Well, first lesson I learned. Doing what you love to do and what you know how to do are just as important. It's there that I really became acutely aware of the statistics. There was a very 
significant opportunity in doing a direct consumer brand. Other companies were catching on to the fact that we had a great idea. But you better darn well find people that do. I should have known that. Looking back, it's like, duh, shouldn't I have figured that out? I would have loved to have come up with Twitter. Who wouldn't, you know, but I, I don't know anything about that. And so I'm doing what I know how to do, and that's make clothes for people that enjoy the outdoors.